Hey everybody, God bless you guys. Welcome to Swerve Church and welcome to At The Movies. Uh, this is a uh, long anticipated series for so many and, uh, and for a little bit there I thought we were going to pass up on it with everything going on. But I'm so glad that we can kind of do our, our normal uh, summer series, even if it's through these means, At The Movies. It's a wonderful series that we do every single year uh, where we ask ourselves the question, what if uh, within some of our favorite movies, some of the most recent movies that have come out, what if there's a spiritual lesson that we can draw out? What if there's a biblical connection uh, between some of the major themes within a lot of these movies that we see uh, that connects to the gospel and connects to the Bible that can teach us and, and that we can apply something to our lives? Now listen, it's a fun and creative way to kind of draw out these gospel connections so that we can learn a little bit in a little bit different way. Uh, some of us are more visual learners and, and if you've seen some of these movies, then maybe uh, this is an interesting way for you to connect and, and make the Bible come to life. And so I'm really excited about this. Uh, it's, it's a lighthearted series, but it's jam-packed with serious scriptural biblical truth. And so if you guys are ready, I am, and I love this series every single year, and I love the chance to be able to get to do this. Now, today we're going to be looking at the movie Spider-Man Far From Home. All right, can you guys let me know? Raise your hand in the chats if you guys have seen this movie. Have you seen this movie yet? Uh, it came out last year. I love it. I'm a huge Spider-Man fan, if you can't tell by the shirt that I have on today. If you saw the movie, go ahead and raise your hand and let me know. Now, if you like the movie, would you give me a thumbs up in the comments? Let me know that you enjoyed the movie. If you dislike the movie, give me a thumbs down. Okay, would you guys go ahead and comment in the chat? Let us know. Let me know what, what you thought about the movie. I love the movie. I'm biased. I'm a big Spider-Man fan, and I really enjoyed the majority of all the Spider-Man movies that have come out. I remember when the first one came out, I was one of the first ones in line uh, to see it. Did you enjoy the movie as well? Well, in this movie, uh, Peter Parker, he, who is, of course, Spider-Man, he's going on a school trip, and he's heading to, to Europe. And he's excited for this trip, and in his mind, he's considering leaving behind the Spider-Man suit. His Aunt May tells him, hey, don't forget the suit, but he decides he's not going to pack it because on this vacation, he wants to leave all his responsibilities behind, and he just wants to be a teenager. He just wants to hang out with his friends, with the girl of his dreams, and have a good time uh, on this trip. And so he's thinking about how he could just leave uh, all the responsibilities behind, the weight of the responsibility of being Spider-Man, of being a hero, and having these superpowers. He just wants to leave it behind and be a normal kid. He just wants to coast. You know, one of the most difficult things for me, I'll admit, during this time, during this season, has been to find motivation. It's to find motivation to do uh, a lot of the stuff that I normally would have done you know, pre-COVID. Have you felt like that? Have you shared some of that same burden uh, where there seems to be like a lack of motivation? Maybe you feel like that now and you feel like, you know, maybe you're just like on coast. Uh, where you're just kind of leaving some of the major responsibilities behind and you're just coasting. No worries, no cares, just leaving your responsibilities behind, kind of like Peter Parker. You know, honestly, we, we probably would never say that about our jobs per se. We never just coast at our jobs because we know that that would cost us our livelihood. We hopefully would never say that about our families if we just coast and just neglect our families and marriages. Uh, but what about spiritually? You know, I've been, it's been my experience that too often we tend to just coast when it comes to our spirituality. 
and, and, and mix that in with the current state that we find ourselves in, uh, it can be very tempting to leave our responsibilities to the side, have no worries, have no cares, just coast spiritually. Well, Peter Parker has Nick Fury come and remind him, if you guys saw the movie, remind him of his purpose, remind him of his calling, remind him of the responsibility and the weight of being a superhero, of having these powers, of being Spider-Man. He, he reminds him he has a purpose, he has a calling, and guess what? There's still a job to do. I want to be a Nick Fury in your life. I want to be that motivation to remind you that you have a calling, that you have a purpose, that God is not finished with you, that there's still a lot to do. And that I know, that I know in, in our current state and situation, it can be very difficult to maintain that motivation. But I want to be Nick Fury and remind you that, that it's not done. It's not finished. There's a job to do. There's a job to do. In fact, if you're taking notes today, and I do encourage you to do so, our big idea for today is this. God has given us all a job to do. The question is, are you going to step up to do it? God has given us all a job to do. Are you going to step up to do it? And in many ways, this is exactly what I see my job as doing, what God has called me as a pastor of this young church plant. My job has been to motivate our church, to motivate each and every single one of us to call out the God-given potential within you, within myself, and to collectively go out and do whatever God has called us to do, to love and serve our neighbors, to show God's love, and to share the gospel. That is my, that's how I view my primary role as a pastor, is to draw that out of you, is to remind you you are called, to remind you that you have a purpose. And listen, I love evangelism. I love sharing the gospel with people. I love serving others. That is my heartbeat. I love the opportunities that we have to be able to go out and serve people and, and show people God's love. But the truth of the matter is that if I simply go out and do all those things and I don't call you out to do it with me, then I'm doing you a huge disservice. In fact, this is what Paul taught when it came to this. Look at what it says in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 to 12. He says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. In other words, what Paul is saying here is that there's some people that are called to do these things. Not everybody is called to be these specific roles within the body of Christ. He called some to be pastors, shepherds, teachers, so on and so forth. But why did he give some that role? Verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, to build up the body of Christ. That work of ministry, you know, is not for a chosen few. What he's saying here, that, that you know, he's called some to be pastors, shepherds, teachers, uh, and uh, prophets, evangelists, etc., but ultimately, those roles work together to equip the saints for the work of ministry. And so what that means is that the work of ministry is not just for a few people. It's for us all. It's for the body of Christ, for you and for me. The work of ministry is for us all. And my primary role is to call it out of you, to show you that you have this God-given potential and gifting and calling and purpose to live it out, to show people God's love and to do the work of ministry. Underline right there in your Bibles, if you like to take notes, where it says to equip the saints. 
the saints. That's you. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're a Christian, that's who, that's who Paul is referring to. You are a saint, and, and your job is to do the work of the ministry. All right? And, and maybe... I know that this is a very popular thought for a lot of people that know well the work of ministry is for professional Christians. And I'm not a professional Christian, so that work of ministry, whatever that looks like, whatever that is, it's not for me. And that's not true according to what Paul is teaching us here. And maybe you're thinking, well, Danny, I'm, I'm just a teacher. I'm just a, a janitor. I'm just a, a medical worker. You know, I'm, I'm just, I, I'm actually unemployed. I don't even have a job. I'm just a musician. I'm just an artist. Right? What, that work of ministry, that's for somebody else. That's not for me. And the answer is that, yes, you are all those things. You are a custodian, a medical worker, an artist, a musician. You are all those things. But as a follower of Jesus, you also have a mission. You also have a purpose and a calling that supersedes your vocation. God has called you to be a minister of the gospel. A minister of the gospel. You have a mission, you have a job to fulfill. Now for the rest of the time, what I'm going to do is just ask us three questions. I'm just going to ask us three questions to help us shift our focus onto the job that called us to do. Why? Because we want to fulfill the work of ministry, what Paul says here in Ephesians 4. And why do we want to fulfill the work of ministry? Well, the last part of verse 12 says to build up the body of Christ. Now, as far as I'm concerned, building up the body of Christ, to me, involves two facets. First, uh, building up the body of Christ, it means that we're building the body, inviting new people to join the body of Christ. It means we're sharing our faith and people are putting their faith in Jesus Christ. They're making Him their Lord and Savior, and the body of Christ grows. The church of Jesus Christ grows. So building up the body, the work of ministry, fulfills that role. Secondly, building up the body of Christ to me means that we're serving and we're equipping and we're training and we're loving the local body uh, expression of Christ, a.k.a. the church. So that's, I think that's what those two facets of building up the body of Christ, I think that's what that means there. All right, so we're going to ask three questions that I want you guys to think about, ponder, answer, uh, think about on these things. Here's the first question. Number one is this. Do you care about your lost friend's family and neighbors do you care about your lost family friends and neighbors i know what you're thinking you're like danny of course i do i really do care about them i text them daily I, i'm hanging out with them all the time i'm always finding out how they're doing i really do care about them well listen i'm not just talking about if you care about them about their physical well-being or how they're doing emotionally or, or mentally you know, throughout this whole thing. That's not what I'm talking about. But do you care about them spiritually? Because you see, if what we preach and teach is correct and what the Bible says is true, then there are eternal ramifications to what we talk about. There's eternal ramifications to putting our hope and faith in Jesus Christ and not. There's eternal ramifications to that if what we believe is true. If we believe that Jesus Christ lived the perfect life and died on the cross and resurrected on the third day, giving us forgiveness of sin and newness of life, and, and, and if we put our hope and faith in Him that we can spend eternity in heaven with our Heavenly Father, then the opposite is also true for those who do not put their faith in Jesus. There's eternal ramifications to this truth. You know, there's a, a narrative in the New Testament of a time when, uh, when Jesus approached the great city of Jerusalem. 
Uh, perhaps you read this section of the Bible. Oftentimes it's titled as the triumphal entry. It's the time when Jesus rides on the back of a donkey and he rides into the city. And some people uh, uh, draw uh, palm branches. They, they throw palm branches on the ground and they shout Hosanna and they worship him as the king that came from heaven to deliver uh, their people. And they shout praises to Jesus. At the same time, there were Pharisees in the crowd. In fact, there was two different types of people that were there. There were the people that shout, Blessed is the King. And then there were the Pharisees who attempted to uh, stop the praises of the people and also plot murder against Jesus. And within the crowd, within both groups, there was they were both lost. They were both confused. They were both seeking. And when Jesus looks at this, it broke his heart. It broke Jesus' heart for the lostness of his friends, for the lostness of his family, for the lostness of his city. And in fact, you can read it in, uh, in Luke chapter 19, verse 41 and 42. Look at what it says. It says, as he approached and saw the city, what did he do? He wept for it, saying, if you knew this day, what would bring peace? You see, Jesus wept over the city. His heart broke for the lostness of the city. He says, man, if only you would know what would bring you peace. Do you know what Jesus was referring to? He was referring to himself, that he, would, he was the, the Lamb of God that would come and die and, and pay the price for the sin of mankind. He said, if only you knew those throwing the branches on the ground, the, the religious Pharisees, if you only knew who would bring you peace. And it broke his heart and he wept over the city. Do you have a similar compassion for those around you, for your lost family members, for your lost friends, for your lost neighbor, for the lostness in your neighborhood and in your community? Do you have that same compassion that Jesus had? Because you see, guys, there's work to be done. And you cannot coast. There's work that needs to be done. Your family members, your friends, your neighbors need you. They need you. And you simply cannot coast. Your city needs you. And maybe you're thinking to yourself, well, Danny, what can I do? What can I do? Well, you can... You can hey, everybody. God bless you guys. Welcome to Swerve Church and welcome to At The Movies. Uh, this is a uh, long-anticipated series for so many, and, uh, and for a little bit there, I thought we were going to pass up on it with everything going on, but I'm so glad that we can kind of do our, our normal uh, summer series, even if it's through these means, at the movies. It's a wonderful series that we do every single year, uh, where we ask ourselves the question, what if, you know, within some of our favorite movies, some of the most recent movies that have come out, what if there's a spiritual lesson that we can draw out? What if there's a biblical connection uh, between some of the major themes within a lot of these movies that we see uh, that connects to the gospel and connects to the Bible that can teach us and, and that we can apply something to our lives? Now listen, it's a fun and creative way to kind of draw these gospel connections so that we can learn a little bit in a little bit different way. Uh, some of us are more visual learners and, and if you've seen some of these movies, then maybe uh, this is an interesting way for you to connect and, and make the Bible come to life. And so I'm really excited about this. Uh, it's, it's a lighthearted series, but it's jam-packed with serious scriptural biblical truth. And so if you guys are ready, I am, and I love this series every single year, and I love the chance to be able to get to do this.
Now, today we're going to be looking at the movie Spider-Man Far From Home. Alright, can you guys let me know? Raise your hand in the chats if you guys have seen this movie. Have you seen this movie yet? Uh, it came out last year. I love it. I'm a huge Spider-Man fan. If you can't tell by the shirt that I have on today, if you saw the movie, go ahead and raise your hand and let me know. Now, if you like the movie, would you give me a thumbs up in the comments? Let me know that you enjoyed the movie. If you dislike the movie, give me a thumbs down. Okay, would you guys go ahead and comment in the chat? Let us know. Let me know what, what you thought about the movie. I love the movie. I'm biased. I'm a big Spider-Man fan. And I really enjoyed the majority of all the Spider-Man movies that have come out. I remember when the first one came out, I was one of the first ones in line uh, to see it. Did you enjoy the movie as well? Well, in this movie, uh, Peter Parker, he, who is, of course, Spider-Man, he's going on a school trip, and he's heading to, to Europe. And he's excited for this trip, and in his mind, he's considering leaving behind the Spider-Man suit. His Aunt May tells him, hey, don't forget the suit, but he decides he's not going to pack it, because on this vacation, he wants to leave all his responsibilities behind, and he just wants to be a teenager. He just wants to hang out with his friends, with the girl of his dreams, and have a good time uh, on this trip. And so he's thinking about how he could just leave uh, all the responsibilities behind, the weight of the responsibility of being Spider-Man, of being a hero, and having these superpowers. He just wants to leave it behind and be a normal kid. He just wants to coast. You know, one of the most difficult things for me, I'll admit, during this time, during this season, has been to find motivation. It's to find motivation to do uh, a lot of the stuff that I normally would have done you know, pre-COVID. Have you felt like that? Have you shared some of that same burden uh, where there seems to be like a lack of motivation? Maybe you feel like that now and you feel like, you know, maybe you're just like on coast. Uh, where you're just kind of leaving some of the major responsibilities behind and you're just coasting. No worries, no cares, just leaving your responsibilities behind, kind of like Peter Parker. You know, honestly, we, we probably would never say that about our jobs per se. We never just coast at our jobs because we know that that would cost us our livelihood. We hopefully would never say that about our families if we just coast and just neglect our families and marriages. Uh, but what about spiritually? You know, I've been, it's been my experience that too often we tend to just coast when it comes to our spirituality and, and, and mix that in with the current state that we find ourselves in. Uh, it can be very tempting to leave our responsibilities to the side, have no worries, have no cares, just coast spiritually. Well, Peter Parker has Nick Fury come and remind him if you guys saw the movie Remind him of his purpose. Remind him of his calling. Remind him of the responsibility and the weight of being a superhero, of having these powers, of being Spider-Man. He, he reminds him. He has a purpose. He has a calling. And guess what? There's still a job to do. I want to be a Nick Fury in your life. I want to be that motivation to remind you that you have a calling, that you have a purpose, that God is not finished with you, that there's still a lot to do. And that I know, that I know in, in our current state and situation, it can be very difficult to maintain that motivation. But I want to be Nick Fury and remind you that, that it's not done. It's not finished. There's a job to do. There's a job to do. In fact, if you're taking notes today, and I do encourage you to do so, our big idea for today is this. God has given us all a job to do. The question is, 
Are you going to step up to do it? God has given us all a job to do. Are you going to step up to do it? And in many ways, this is exactly what I see my job as doing, what God has called me as a pastor of this young church plant. My job has been to motivate our church, to motivate each and every single one of us to call out the God-given potential within you, within myself, and to collectively go out and do whatever God has called us to do, to love and serve our neighbors, to show God's love, and to share the gospel. That is my, that's how I view my primary role as a pastor, is to draw that out of you, is to remind you you are called, to remind you that you have a purpose. And listen, I love evangelism. I love sharing the gospel with people. I love serving others. That is my heartbeat. I love the opportunities that we have to be able to go out and serve people and and show people God's love. But the truth of the matter is that if I simply go out and do all those things and I don't call you out to do it with me, then I'm doing you a huge disservice. In fact, this is what Paul taught when it came to this. Look at what it says in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 to 12. He says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. In other words, what Paul is saying here is that there's some people that are called to do these things. Not everybody is called to be these specific roles within the body of Christ. He called some to be pastors, shepherds, teachers, so on and so forth. But why did he give some that role? Verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, to build up the body of Christ. That work of ministry, you know, is not for a chosen few. What he's saying here, that, that you know, he's called some to be pastors, shepherds, teachers, uh, and uh, prophets, evangelists, etc., but ultimately, those roles work together to equip the saints for the work of ministry. And so what that means is that the work of ministry is not just for a few people. It's for us all. It's for the body of Christ, for you and for me. The work of ministry is for us all. And my primary role is to call it out of you, is to show you that you have this God-given potential and gifting and calling and purpose to live it out, to show people God's love and to do the work of ministry. Underline right there in your Bibles, if you like to take notes, where it says to equip the saints. The saints, that's you. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're a Christian, that's who, that's who Paul is referring to. You are a saint and, and your job is to do the work of the ministry. All right. And, and maybe I know that this is a very popular thought for a lot of people that know well, the work of ministry is for professional Christians. And I'm not a professional Christian. So that work of ministry, whatever that looks like, whatever that is, it's not for me. And that's not true according to what Paul is teaching us here. And maybe you're thinking, well, Danny, I'm, I'm just a teacher. I'm just a, a janitor. I'm just a, a medical worker. You know, I'm, I'm just, I, I'm actually unemployed. I don't even have a job. I'm just a musician. I'm just an artist. Right? What That work of ministry, that's for somebody else. That's not for me. And the answer is that, yes, you are all those things. You are a custodian, a medical worker, an artist, a musician. You are all those things. But as a follower of Jesus, you also have a mission. You also have a purpose and a calling that supersedes your vocation. God has called you to be a minister of the gospel. A minister of the gospel. You have a mission, you have a job to fulfill. Now for the rest of the time, what I'm going to do is just ask us three questions. 
I'm just going to ask us three questions to help us shift our focus onto the job that called us to do. Why? Because we want to fulfill the work of ministry, what Paul says here in Ephesians 4. And why do we want to fulfill the work of ministry? Well, the last part of verse 12 says to build up the body of Christ. Now, as far as I'm concerned, building up the body of Christ, to me, involves two facets. First, uh, building up the body of Christ, it means that we're building the body, inviting new people to join the body of Christ. It means we're sharing our faith and people are putting their faith in Jesus Christ. They're making Him their Lord and Savior, and the body of Christ grows. The church of Jesus Christ grows. So building up the body, the work of ministry, fulfills that role. Secondly, building up the body of Christ to me means that we're serving and we're equipping and we're training and we're loving the local body uh, expression of Christ, a.k.a. the church. So that's, I think that's what those two facets of building up the body of Christ, I think that's what that means there. All right, so we're going to ask three questions that I want you guys to think about, ponder, answer, uh, think about on these things. Here's the first question. Number one is this. Do you care about your lost friends family and neighbors do you care about your lost family friends and neighbors i know what you're thinking you're like danny of course i do i really do care about them i text them daily I, i'm hanging out with them all the time i'm always finding out how they're doing i really do care about them well listen i'm not just talking about if you care about them about their physical well-being or how they're doing emotionally or, or mentally you know, throughout this whole thing. That's not what I'm talking about. But do you care about them spiritually? Because you see, if what we preach and teach is correct and what the Bible says is true, then there are eternal ramifications to what we talk about. There's eternal ramifications to putting our hope and faith in Jesus Christ and not. There's eternal ramifications to that if what we believe is true. If we believe that Jesus Christ lived the perfect life and died on the cross and resurrected on the third day, giving us forgiveness of sin and newness of life, and, and, and if we put our hope and faith in Him that we can spend eternity in heaven with our Heavenly Father, then the opposite is also true for those who do not put their faith in Jesus. There's eternal ramifications to this truth. You know, there's a, a narrative in the New Testament of a time when, uh, when Jesus approached the great city of Jerusalem. Uh, perhaps you've read this section of the Bible. Oftentimes it's titled as the triumphal entry. It's the time when Jesus rides on the back of a donkey and he rides into the city. And some people uh, uh, draw uh, palm branches. They, they throw palm branches on the ground and they shout, Hosanna, and they worship Him as the King that came from heaven to deliver uh, their people, and they shout praises to Jesus. At the same time, there were Pharisees in the crowd. In fact, there was two different types of people that were there. There were the people that shout, Blessed is the King, and then there were the Pharisees who attempted to uh, stop the praises of the people and also plot murder against Jesus. And within the crowd, within both groups, there was... They were both lost. They were both confused. They were both seeking. And when Jesus looks at this, it broke his heart. It broke Jesus' heart for the lostness of his friends, for the lostness of his family, for the lostness of his city. And in fact, you can read it in, uh, in Luke chapter 19, verse 41 and 42. Look at what it says. It says, as he approached and saw the city, what did he do? He wept for it, saying, If you knew this day, 
what would bring peace. You see, Jesus wept over the city. His heart broke for the lostness of the city. He says, man, if only you would know what would bring you peace. Do you know what Jesus was referring to? He was referring to himself, that he, would, he was the, the Lamb of God that would come and die and, and pay the price for the sin of mankind. He said, if only you knew those throwing the branches on the ground, the, the religious Pharisees, if you only knew who would bring you peace. And it broke his heart and he wept over the city. Do you have a similar compassion for those around you, for your lost family members, for your lost friends, for your lost neighbor, for the lostness in your neighborhood and in your community? Do you have that same compassion that Jesus had? Because you see, guys, there's work to be done. And you cannot coast. There's work that needs to be done. Your family members, your friends, your neighbors need you. They need you. And you simply cannot coast. Your city needs you. And maybe you're thinking to yourself, well, Danny, what can I do? What can I do? Well, you can, you can pray for the lostness of your friends and family members. You can share the hope of the gospel with your family members. You can build relationships around your dinner table with those in your community. Invite them home and do life with people that don't know Jesus, that are far from God, so that you can bring them into relationship. You can show the love of God to people. You can serve the needs of the people and show them God's love in practical ways and point people to heaven. You can invite them over and study the Bible with folks within your spheres of influence. There's so much that you can do. Do you care about your family members? Do you care about your friends? Do you care about your neighbors? Here's the second question we want to ask ourselves, and that is, do you care about your church family? Do you care about your church family? Now listen, God has placed you within a church family of other believers, of other followers of Christ. And maybe you don't like all of it. Maybe you don't like me, and, and that's okay. But for this season, God has you here. He has you. He's put you within this family, this family of God that He's put you into. He's put you into this church. And God equips you and He calls you to love and to serve your brothers and your sisters in your church family. And if you just sit idly by, your church family will take a blow and it misses out on all that God has gifted you and all that God has given you to love and serve your brothers and sisters within the local church. And we see this all over scripture, but you can read it in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7 through 10. It says this, The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and sober-minded for prayer. By the way, this is just a side note. And uh, how relevant is this verse ever now when we see everything that's going on in the world with the uptake in, in violence and crime and, and, and when we see the disease and, and natural disasters, everything going on in the world it ought to jog our minds to scriptures like this to understand that the end of all things is, uh, is near. And what we ought to do is be alert, be sober-minded, and be prayerful in the middle of these hard times. Verse 8, above all, maintain constant love for one another, since love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaining. And God knows that a lot of times we have a lot to be complaining about, but we ought to be hospitable to one another without complaining. Verse 10, 
Just as each one has received a gift, use it to serve others as good stewards of the varied grace of God. Why don't you guys go ahead and underline in your Bibles where it says each one has received a gift, use it to serve others. That's exactly what Peter tells us here in this passage, that God gives gifts to his people and that we can use those gifts for the betterment of one another, to serve one another, specifically within this context of our brothers and sisters in Christ, your local church. And the purpose of, of the gifts that God has given you is not to selfishly keep it to yourself and not to share it, but it's to give it, it's to release it, it's to serve others, it's to uplift, it's to encourage, it's to love, it's to serve one another, to serve your brother and sister in Christ. And when you bury that gift, you miss out on being used by God, that ministry that God has prepared for you to serve your brothers and sisters in Christ. When you bury it, your church family misses out because there's a missing piece of the puzzle. So the church family misses out on being encouraged and being served well by the particular gift that God has given you. Do you care about your church family? Do you care about those that God has placed around you? Then why are you bearing that gift that God has given you? Here's the final question that we want to ask ourselves, and that is, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Have you ever felt a huge failure? You know, when you just messed up, maybe it was like a, a, an important project at work, or maybe it was a test that you stood up studying all night and you didn't get the grade that you really desired and that you felt you deserved after all the studying that you did. Maybe after a failed business attempt. Do you ever feel like a failure? You know, perhaps after experiencing a huge failure or defeat, uh, we can all tend to lose uh, that motivation. We can tend uh, to feel deflated and we can tend to give up. This is where Peter was shortly after the death of Jesus. You see, Jesus had predicted that Peter would deny him before the rooster crowed three times. And Peter ended up uh, denying Jesus, that he even knew Jesus as they led Jesus to the cross to murder him as he paid for the sins of the world. And after the death of Jesus, can you imagine the immense guilt that Peter felt? And he felt as a failure. He felt defeated and deflated. This is where Peter is when after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, Jesus appears to him. In fact, Jesus appears to the disciples. They're out fishing in the open waters. Jesus performs a miracle because they have been out all night. They didn't catch any fish. And he tells them to throw the net to the other side of the boat. Like that would make a big difference. But because Jesus commands the weather and the animals and everything, he's creator, God, they were able to draw in a net full of fish. The Bible says that the net almost broke and Peter recognizes that it's Jesus. So he runs to shore and, and what we read in the passage is that Jesus sits down with him and they have a little barbecue breakfast. They eat fish in the morning on open flames. And as Jesus is eating breakfast with Peter, he looks at Peter knowing the, the great defeat and the failure that Peter feels like. And, and Jesus tells him, Peter, do you love me? And Peter answers, yes, Lord, you know I do. And he says, then feed my sheep. And he asks him the second time, Peter, do you love me? 
And Peter, perhaps a little perplexed as to why is Jesus asking him again? He says, of course, you know I do. And Jesus tells him, then feed my lambs. And then he asks him a third time. Let's read it for ourselves in John chapter 21, verse 17. Then he, that is Jesus, asked him a third time, Simon, that is Peter, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved that he asked him a third time, perhaps because he remembered that he had denied Jesus three times leading up to his death. Do you love me? And Peter answers, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And what is Jesus' response? Feed my sheep. Even though Peter felt like a failure, even though he felt like he, 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 he had, and actually he did fail. He had said he would not deny Jesus and he did. And so he failed and he felt like a failure and he had the weight of all this guilt upon his shoulders. Jesus reminded him of the calling that he had placed on his life. He felt like a failure. He felt defeated. I mean, he felt, maybe he even felt like he wasn't going to do anything. And there's no way that Jesus could ever use a failure like him. But in this instance, Jesus reminds him that he has a job to do. In his failure, in his most defeated moment, Jesus reminds him and he says, feed my sheep. And in other words, what he was saying, he said, take care, Peter, of the flock of people that I've put under you to take care of, to shepherd those churches I've called you to shepherd and to plant those letters I've called you to write because there's people that need you. I've called you. I've called you. I've given you purpose. I've given you a calling. I've gifted you. I've sent you. I've taught you. I've shepherded you. And I'm reminding you, you have a purpose. You have a calling. And perhaps right now, you feel like Peter. You feel defeated. You feel down. And you're beating yourself up. Well, today Jesus reminds you that you have a purpose. Listen, you have a calling. God's not done with you. He's given you purpose. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? You have work to do. There are people in your family that need you. There are people in your community that need you. Your neighbors that live in your building, your roommates, they need you. They need to hear the hope of the gospel. They need to see Jesus lived out through you. There's people in your community that need you. There's people in your city that need you. Listen, there's people in your church that need you. I need you. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Peter Parker thought that he can just leave the suit behind and just go on vacation, leave all the responsibilities. But he was reminded. Uh, if you guys remember that saying that with great power comes great responsibility. He couldn't leave his responsibility. He had to do what he had to do. And we have a calling. God has placed purpose in your life and he's called you and he's gifted you what are you going to do about it now if you're listening to me today and you're not a follower of christ then maybe you're thinking to yourself like what is you know what does all this have to do with me you know what am i to do and the answer is 
that this is where it begins uh, for you. It begins with not working, but by putting your faith and trust in the work of Christ and what he did on your behalf on the cross of Calvary. You see, because you and me, we have one thing in common, and that is that we all fall short of the glory of God. We're all sinners in desperate need of a Savior, and we cannot be good enough. And that's why God, out of His immense love for you and me, sent Jesus Christ to live the life, a perfect and sinless life that you and I could not live, thereby making Him the perfect sacrifice in our behalf. And it was His precious blood on the cross shed for you and me that gives us the forgiveness of sin. But because Jesus is God in the flesh, by the power of the Holy Spirit, He was risen from the grave. He was risen from the grave. And in that resurrected power, our dead lives are resurrected as well. We have forgiveness of sin. We have newness of life if we put our faith in Jesus Christ. And if you haven't done that, it's the best decision that you can do is to put your faith in Jesus. And invite you to do that today. Now listen, I know a lot of us, perhaps with everything going on in the world, we feel defeated. And perhaps, you know, we're, we're a little bit down on ourselves. We feel, uh, you know, like failures and we lack motivation. I know I felt like that. But God's not done. There's work to do. You have purpose. You have calling. What are you going to do? Now we're going to close today in prayer. And we're going we're gonna to do this a little bit differently. What I'm going to ask you guys uh, is to pray along with me. I'm going to allow for just 10 seconds or so of silence uh, to go, and I'm going to give you a prayer prompt of two of them. And I just want you to pray and think on these things right there in your living room, right there in your bedroom, right there in the park, wherever you're watching this, on your phone, on the TV, on a laptop. Take out the time to pray. Let's pray. First, I want you to think about the loss in your life those people that are far from God, your family members, your friends, your neighbors, those that don't know Jesus. Think about them by name. Picture those faces and pray. God, we pray for those people in our families, our neighbors, our loved ones, and our friends that don't know you, that don't call out to you. God, our hearts break for them. And we pray, God, that you may show yourself to them in a mighty and powerful way. And that you would call them unto yourselves, unto yourself. And that you would save them in Jesus' name. We're going to pray for our church family. We're going to pray. Pray for your church family and, and for the role that God has called you. Pray for your brothers and sisters in Christ. And this church family, think of their faces, picture their names. Go ahead and pray. God, thank you for this beautiful church family that you've placed together. God, and I pray for each and every single one of us, Lord, that you would remind us of the calling and the purpose that you've placed in our lives and that we would step up to do what you've called us to do in Jesus' name. And this last prayer, I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to lead you in this final prayer. We're going to pray that God would give us motivation. Because I know so many of us are lacking it. But by God's grace and the power of the Holy Spirit, I pray that He's going to lift up that motivation in our lives so that we can do what He's called us to. Let's pray. 
Uh, God, I just pray, Lord, all over right now, everybody listening to me, many of us find ourselves in discouraging moments. We feel uh, defeated. We feel like failures. Uh, we feel like, uh, Lord, what is our purpose? And I pray, God, that you would give us motivation right now in the mighty name of Jesus and you would remind us of our purpose and calling and that when you do, God, I pray by the power of your spirit that we might be obedient to walk out and live out, Lord, what you've called us to. Help us to act out in faith in Jesus' name. We pray, amen and amen.